minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I'm not exactly small, but really not so very big, just 17 feet tall. I'm rich for heavy working, so that I'm very fit. Six days a week I'm at it. And the seventh day I can't Oh, I ain't gonna work on Saturday Ain't gonna work on Saturday Even double, triple play Won't make me work on Saturday Ain't gonna work on Saturday It's Shabbos I turned to deep sea diving And took an awful chance On a sunken steamer's deck I got caught by my pants And trapped I couldn't set me free, but I got home for Shabbos. And I dragged the ship with me. Oh, I ain't gonna work on Saturday. Ain't gonna work on Saturday. Even double, triple pay won't make me work on Saturday. Ain't gonna work on Saturday. It's Shabbos I once was an explorer. I went when Shabbos hungry lions came roaring round my tent. My assistant grabbed my rifle. Go, Dumber, shoot those pests. Instead, they were invited to be my Shabbos guest. Oh, I ain't gonna work on Saturday. Ain't gonna work on Saturday. Even double, triple pay won't make me. I once helped raise a building, and on the hundredth floor, I was carrying a load of bricks, an easy ton or more. And here it's late on Friday, I knew I had to stop, so I cried, Watch out below! And I let the whole thing Take a crack. I had the throttle out, just zooming down the track. And suddenly it's Shabbos, the sun's about to set, so I dived into a mud hole. (laughs) 
יאוש ולא רואה את התקווה. אם אתה מרגיש את השמיים באפור, אתה הולך קדימה והכל זז לאחור. אתה קשיב ותראה שלדאוג זה לא שווה, ותרגיש ותפקיק, כי את הגופו לא נפסיק. חבל על
Ой, маша послыхачой, там на пигово не сдерал ушой, алкивитой, но дом линашой, ой, не гдыгам симхо, пахем лемашехо, ашой
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome everybody. It's a Friday on this September the 16th, day 13 in the month of Elul, the year 5776. Tufshin Ayin Vav, Erev Shabbos Parshas with candlelighting time at 643 on this Erev Shabbos. 63 degrees, mostly sunny, high 74. 78 in Yerushalayim, 63 here in Jersey City. Looks like a nice Shabbos weather-wise. In this area, you heard Shlomo Simcha with Nerdo Lake, Asher Sharf, Hashomer Shabbos, Piamenta, and Shedem, Shedemanti, Yaakov Shweki with Bercha Sabayas and Chaval Azman. Ain't gonna work on Saturday. <laughs> From I Remember That, it's been a big week for nostalgia here at JM in the AM. That's off the brand new I Remember That CD. And Regesh and Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock, about an hour away from our weekly update with Malcolm Honeline. Plenty more on a Friday. Make sure to keep it here between now and 9 a.m., followed by Naomi Nachman and her amazing program. It's called Table for Two. That'll be on between 9 and 10 this morning. And then our Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. It is a Friday, Erev Shabbos, and this is JM in the AM. <laughs>
Yanki Lemmer, Yismach Moshe on this Erev Shabbos, just a couple of weeks away. Next uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning in the Ashkenazi community, Slichus begins. That was a special message dedicated to Simon Jacob, who's tuned in in Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, because, as he always reminds me, the Sephardic community has begun Slichus long ago. Uh, Shlomo Katz had Libi Uvsari. You heard Omak Hadavar with Makar Chaim. Schar Mitzvah was Mordechai Shapiro. Lule Hamanti done by Diaspora. Shmuli Unger had MS. And Ner Dolek was done by Shlomo Simcha. Terev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze. Gosh. Uh, gosh. Uh, this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange. WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course, on the NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Homeline, week, uh, weekly update. 
7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Go to the NSN app, the NSN Nahum Single Network app. You can comment on the app and toss in a question or two if you wish. All suggestions are welcome. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday next to JMA. Galitzal, סוכל פיגוע דריסה בכניסה לקריית ארבע לפני זמן קצר, כתבנו ענבל תמיר. על פי דיווחים מהמקום, שני פלסטינים ניסו לדרוס מספר ישראלים שעמדו בצומת שבכניסה לקריית ארבע. שני הפלסטינים נורו ונהרגו, אין נפגעים ישראלים באירוע. בצהל בודקים כעת את נסיבות המקרה. ראשה ראשכם בירושלים, צעיר מירדן, ניסה לדקור שוטרים לפני שעה ונורא, כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. אזרח ירדני בן 20 הגיע מכיוון העיר העתיקה אל שער שכם, שם הבחין בכוח מגב שעמד במקום. הוא התקרב לעברם במהירות כשהוא קורא אללה אכבר, הוא מניף בכל אחת מידיו סכין, הלוחמים ירו בו והוא נהרג. בחיפוש על גופתו נמצאה אף סכין שלישית, אין נפגעים בקרב הכוחות. ארבעה בני אדם נפצעו קל עד בינוני בהתהפכות רכב באזור שער הגיא. עומס תנועה כבד מורגש בכביש ירושלים תל אביב מכיוון שורש עד לטרון. אולפן גלגלצ נמסר שגם בכיוון ההפוך יש האטה משמעותית. באווירה הסורית דמשק עימותים אלימים בין כוחות אסד למורדים, כתבתנו שירה נאות. על פי הדיווחים ישנו שימוש בפצצות ובנשק חם והלחימה מתרכזת בשכונה ג'ובר הנמצאת בשליטת כוחות משטר אסד. ביום שני נכנסה לתוקפה הפסקת אש בסוריה, אך מאז הופרה פעמים רבות. עם זאת ארצות הברית ורוסיה שחתמו על הסכם הפסקת האש, טוענות שבסך הכל ההסכם יציב וייתכן שאף יביא לסיום מלחמת האזרחים העקובה מדם. אלופת המדינה, הפועל באר שבע, תנחת בשעות הקרובות בנמל התעופה בן גוריון אחרי הניצחון הלילה במילאנו. כתבתנו קרן בן מרדכי. שחקניו של ברק בכר שניצחו אמש את מועדון הפאר האיטלקי אינטר 2-0 בשלב הבתים של הליגה האירופית, ישובו בחמש אחרי הצהריים לארץ ממילאנו. ואיתם צפויים לשוב מאות האוהדים שליוו אותם. אלופת המדינה תחזור לליגה הישראלית כבר ביום שני, כשתשחק נגד מכבי חיפה. מזג האוויר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, מחר בבוקר ייתכן טפטוף בצפון הארץ ולאורך החוף, ביום ראשון יתחמם ויעשה מעט חם מהרגיל לעונה. ולסיום, עמיתנו מכל ישראל, אריה גולן מציין היום 50 שנות שידור שתחילתן בגל"צ, למי שמכם זוכר, אני בטוח שיש כאלה זוכרים כאן את מצעד הפזמונים הלועזי בשנות ה-60, באירוע ההצדעה לכבודו בתיאטרון צוותא בתל אביב, ברך אותו הנשיא ראובן ריבלין. אני רוצה לחזק את אנשי כל ישראל ורשת ב' וגם את אנשי גלי צה"ל שרבים מבוגריו הם ממשיכים לעמוד על משמר השידור הציבורי ולהעשיר את האזרח גם בתקופות קשות מתוך יראת כבוד למיקרופון עמוקה לעבודתה. עוד חמישים שנות שידור לפחות. אלה החדשות שערך היום עידו דוד כהן. Bye.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Yaakov Shweki. Ten minutes after 7 o'clock on this era of Shabbos. Candle lighting at 6.43. 6.43, your official candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. Well, many of you know, and it's interesting, They, um, <laughs> the Jewish Week calls them the greatest Jewish team ever. Israel's coming to the World Baseball Classic, as uh, so many people know already, especially in this audience. And this coming Thursday night is Game 1 in the qualifying round against Great Britain. It's Israel against Great Britain. And as they point out in this article I was reading, um, you know, when it comes to the Classic, we're not sure how Israel would do against the U.S. and Cuba, Japan, etc., but we certainly know that in this group for the qualifying round with Great Britain and... Uh, and the other, uh, and uh, Brazil and Pakistan, uh, they have an unbelievable chance. To expound on this with us is the vice president of the Brooklyn Cyclones. They are hosting the World Baseball Classic this Thursday night at MCU Park in Brooklyn, New York. And then again Friday at 12 noon at MCU Park in Brooklyn, New York. It's Steve Cohen. Steve, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thanks for having me, Nathan. How are you doing? I'll tell you something. I have to check who wrote this article because uh, this guy, whoever wrote it, is really, really high on the Israel baseball team. I think, I think maybe a bigger fan than I am, frankly. Hey, did you know that the, that there's a um, that there's a cyclone uh, uh, veteran on the team, a cyclone graduate, so to speak, on the Israel team? That's right. Josh, Josh Simon is uh, on the on the club, so it's exciting to have. Um, former Cyclone, and also uh, Ike Davis. So That's actually, right. I guess technically we have two. Did Ike Davis play for the Cyclones? He did. Oh, I didn't did, realize absolutely. that. So Ike yeah. Davis, who many people in this audience know, is going to be at first base. I'm assuming he's starting, knowing his reputation in the baseball world. So he will be at first base on Thursday. And um, and they are fielding what was considered to be the favorite of these four teams, right? That's what you've been hearing, that of the four teams, Israel likely is uh, is fielding the best one in terms of the uh, four starting this Thursday night. Correct. And, you know, hopefully, um, based on that, they will also go to play in the championship game, which would be 6 o'clock on Sunday night. Oh, so we already know the schedule. Thursday night, 7 p.m., noon on Friday, and if they're in the championship, it's going to be a Sunday night game all this coming weekend. All right, what do people have to know? It's it's really simple at this point, right? They go to the Brooklyn Cyclones website, and they can purchase tickets for the World Baseball Classic qualifying round, right? Is it, is it as simple as that? It's as simple as that. They go to brooklyncyclones.com. There's a link right there to take you um, to purchase tickets. Tickets are just $15, so real great night. Um, of inexpensive baseball, like you said, there's a bunch of former major leaguers, including uh, you know a local guy, Jason Marquis, who's from Staten Island and pitched in the big leagues, is also uh, on Team Israel as well. So you get to see major league guys, and uh, you get to see a few Hall of Famers. You've got guys like uh, coaching the other teams, Barry Larkin, um, Ooh. Trevor Hoffman, nice, um, are all going to be at the ballpark as well for the tournament. And I think the weather looks great. And, um, you know, more importantly than all of this is, um, we got a, we got a first pitch on Thursday night. How, how's that coming along? Uh, it's coming along pretty well. Uh, <laughs> last time I did it, I shocked myself at how well it went, but I want to do even better this time, frankly. <laughs> all right. We're going to have the guns out. So if you're, uh, 
You know, oh, I'll, over eighty-five. We may have you. We may have you pitch a little. Bit. Hey, I guarantee it. I'll hit thirty on the gun. Trust me. <laughs> Listen. Um, speaking of before the game, and, and be totally honest about this, because there are a lot of young people out there that you know that we don't want to ruin their expectations. When the Cyclones are around and they they are so fan friendly, so there's time before the game very often to get autographs, meet the players, you know, have a little bit of a conversation, etc. Do you think Thursday night early? If people do show up, you know, to the ballpark, I don't know, five thirty, six o'clock, they'll have an opportunity to do any of that or see anybody from the teams. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that the um, again, one of the nice things about this tournament is going to be the, you know, the, the we have a nice small, friendly ballpark. The fans are going to be very excited to be out there, and uh, the players are going to be very excited to be out there. And you know, I think you'll get the same opportunity to um, you know, get autographs or. You know, potentially meet some players um, prior to the game. Not necessarily, you know, when on the field, but when you come down and the players right. are coming off the field for practice. Um, so I think that's uh, it's a great point. And um, not only are we supporting Team Israel, we get to hear entertainment from the Yeshiva Flatbush Choir and their prominent school in our community, of course. A big, uh, a big shout out to Yeshiva Flatbush. Plus, you are guaranteeing post-game fireworks Thursday night. Am I right? You are absolutely, absolutely. Well. <laughs> There's always that issue of the weather looks great. So oh yeah, I'll, good I'll point. Go out on the limb and make that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should be careful with the word guarantee. You're right. And but, uh, you know, one of the, I just want to point out again, it's Thursday at seven, and uh, I think you and I both want to make sure we we pack the park that night. The the, the tickets are selling really well. Uh, the support for Israel has been tremendous. Uh, we we want to see. You know, I'd like to see five six thousand people out there uh, rooting Israel on to the next round. And you want all of them bringing an Israeli flag with them, of course. Yes, yes, bringing an Israeli flag with but, but, them. But, but no joke, everybody. We have a unique opportunity here, a unique, fun opportunity to support Israel in a really cool way and, and a way that likely is not going to come up again for quite a while, and that is the World Baseball Classic. So if you're, you're into baseball or just enjoy the experience, and there's so much around the ballpark to enjoy aside, from baseball, if you just want to have a great time with the family. And I know that, look, I, I know we do the ticket giveaways. The reaction's been amazing. I just hope people who haven't won tickets are going to go to the web and buy those tickets and be there on Thursday night. And by the way, we should, we should mention, just like the Cyclones have always taken care of our community, you are, you are making sure to have a great kosher food stand uh, there that, as well on Thursday night. That's right. Um, we've expanded the, the kosher food um, number of sale points of sale. Um, so ha- actually half of the concession stands that we would normally have for a cyclone game are now being converted to um, kosher stands so that we have a, a good variety of options and, and limited, uh, limited wait times. All right, now do you know the answer to this question? Because this is, this is my favorite part of it, especially when I'm with my kids. Uh, are, are there going to be uh, I- I- Israel baseball uniforms and, and the like, caps, etc., available that night, or we're not doing that? No, there's um, the team store has a hold of it. The, the, the caps are really uh, we've had them actually since the end of the cyclone season, Ooh. and Ooh. there's a whole yeah, there's a whole bunch of merchandise available. So um, I, I I have a t-shirt in my office, and I I can't wait to wear it. Yeah, that's gonna be the that's the, that's the part I love the most. 
<laughs> the memorabilia <laughs> that we collect from these incredible experiences. Israel against Great Britain. And Steve Cohen is predicting a victory. Amazing how he's going out on a limb. He's predicting that on Thursday night at about 10 p.m. we'll be celebrating. We'll be pouring the champagne after the initial victory for With Israel. Fireworks over Coney Island. Oh, that's right. And right. Forget the champagne. We have the fireworks. <laughs> In the World Baseball Classic qualifier, come support Team Israel. Yeshiva Flatbush will be there entertaining everybody. The fireworks are cool. The kosher food is expanded, as you heard. Uh, plus, of course, if you want a great Israel jersey, it's a unique opportunity to pick up one of those as well. If you want the group rate information or any information at all, you can go to the Brooklyn Cyclones website or dial 718-37-BKLYN. That's, of course, short for Brooklyn, 718-37-BKLYN. It's Thursday night beginning at 7 p.m. at MCU Park in Brooklyn, New York. Steve, I look forward to participating, being there, rooting uh, for Israel, and uh, hopefully uh, thousands of people will come out with the Israeli flags to support the team. Sounds good. Oh, very much. Oh, and before you go, I don't know if you're aware of this, although I would assume you are, but uh, let me just remind the listeners. Are you aware of the fact that this coming Tuesday night in Bergen County, New Jersey, there is going to be a World Baseball Classic hype-up event for the Israeli team? I don't know if you're aware of this. Um, Yes. Go ahead. The team... Fundraising dinner? Is that what you're referring to? I assume that's the same one. It's Tuesday night, September the 20th, starting at 8 p.m., the Tuesday before the game, this coming Tuesday, happening at Beth Aaron in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, Nate Fish, one of the coaches from Team Israel, uh, Margot Sugarman, IAB Secretary General, and a player from the team are all going to be participating. You can come on out and really participate in the World Baseball Classic hype-up event and say hello and welcome uh, the uh, the um, uh, staff and players from the Israel baseball team. It's this coming Tuesday night, 8 p.m. at Beth Aaron, and then uh, once everyone is hyped up, then they can go and buy those tickets and be there Thursday night at MCU Park. So it's turned into an entire week-long celebration, Steve Cohn. It has. It has. It's going to be fun. Really look forward to seeing you, and thanks for, thanks for everything the Cyclones have done for us and you guys at the World Baseball Classic. It's much appreciated. No problem, same to you. And a wonderful Shabbos to you. Steve Cohen, who is uh, guaranteeing, in quotation marks, a big victory for Israel Thursday night. And you want to be there, of course, everybody. We all want to be there uh, at MCU Park. 19 minutes after 7 o'clock. Malcolm Holmline and the weekly update coming up. We'll do that here at the JM and the AM um, at 7.40 this morning. We will do that. I wouldn't mind giving away a pair of tickets right now. Actually, more than a pair. We'll give out a family four-pack. If you want to be at the game this coming Thursday night, be caller number 10 right now. Be caller number 10 right now at 201-209-9368. 201-209-9368. If you are, in fact, caller number 10, then we will call you a winner and get you those tickets to the um, uh, to the MCU Park event this coming Thursday night when Israel takes on Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. Call now. Good luck from JM and the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Ksufim done by uh, Yitzchak Fuchs here at J.M. in the A.M. Um, congratulations to listener... Where are we here? <laughs> listener Moshe in Morristown, New Jersey picked up the family four-pack of tickets for this coming Thursday night. Go to the Brooklyn Cyclones website to buy your tickets for the World Baseball Classic Israel Place Thursday night and to say we are excited and that we are anticipating an amazing and incredible night is an understatement. We are uh, we are very much looking forward to a great night. Bring the Israeli flags and get ready to uh, cheer on Team Israel. We have one more. We have one more family four-pack of tickets, I am told. We have one more family four-pack of tickets. We will um, give them away to caller number 10 at 201-209-9368. 201-209-9368. Call now. Good luck from JM and the AM. Shabbos Amalekou My Yedidus Mani 
she told My lady always kept a smile I wiped your tears away Soon things will turn around Soon we're gonna say It's Shabbos now Shabbos now J.M. in the A.M., congratulations going out to listener Rachel in Brooklyn. Picked up a family four-pack for the game Thursday night. Again, if you go to Brooklyn Cyclones' website or give them a call, you can get tickets for this coming Thursday night when Israel takes on Great Britain in uh, what will prove to be, no doubt, one of the greatest baseball games ever because <laughs> because uh, Israel gets to play in Brooklyn, New York, and hopefully there will be plenty of fans around, plenty of fans around to um, cheer them on. We'll be there. I hope you'll be there. Uh, 7.30 in the morning coming up. It's the weekly update. Malcolm Holmine is going to join us just a few minutes from now. You can hear it clearly around the world on the NSN app. 
So make sure to be tuned in. You can comment on the app and let us know what your thoughts are regarding the state of this amazing world. And um, uh, you can do that right now. Go to the NSN app on the home page. You can go ahead and and comment. Candlelighting 643 on this era of Shabbos Parshas Kitete. And here is Yomi Loi.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candlelighting time at 6.43. That is uh, the Moshav band with Bowie Vishalom. 6.43, your candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. 63 degrees, mostly sunny, a high of 74. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically remind all their listeners about us and our incredible live stream at jmnam.org, where Naomi Nachman, by the way, is going to be following me this morning with her Table for Two program. Uh, if you want to print out uh, 300 million articles before Shabbos, just an estimate of, uh, of things of interest to Israel regarding Israel and the Jewish world, and go to jewishworldview.com. And they'll satisfy that need. Oh, OnlySimchas.com. I want to thank them. They continue to use our content to uh, distribute to the entire world some incredible um, Jewish news stories of interest. And they're continuously using our material as we explore all these interesting personalities on these airwaves. Uh, and including them in their, in their news feed, which is much appreciated. So thank you to OnlySimchas.com. From all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is with us. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you as always. I appreciate that. Uh, incident this morning at Shar Shem. I mention it uh, not only because I have kids in Israel now, but, so I'm more focused on it, but um, it had been relatively quiet, I think we could say, over the last few weeks, but uh, I guess we still have to uh, understand that Israel is not going to prevent every one of these crazy people who is incited by the enemy uh, from going ahead and trying to harm people, so that's an important reminder. Also, today is the yard site of uh, Dr. David and his daughter, Nava Applebaum, and anybody who remembers that from 13 years ago, We'll remember when Israel was really at the height of being a target of terror. And we have to thank God when things are, in fact, relatively quiet. So just a thought as we open up our conversation here at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm, what do you know, our listeners want to know, about the condition of former Prime Minister and President Shimon Peres? Well, there's, uh, I mean, it's obviously a very delicate time given his age and given the severity of what he suffered. But as he has in the past, he has the remarkable ability to come back and to astound the doctors, shaking hands with some, acknowledging some. He wasn't in an induced coma. Uh, the bleeding from the brain, it seems, stopped, but he's still in a precarious state. And we've pointed this out many times, and obviously, uh, you know, everything in the right time, but we've pointed this out many times, that whether you agree with him, and not you, I mean in general, people agree with him politically or not, or what he has done with his career or not, he is so emblematic of the history of the state of Israel, with all the different stages he went through from youth all the way until the hierarchy of the uh, of the state. Uh, that's that's uh, very right, and and I know there are people who don't like his views and don't like his uh, some of the positions that he's taken, but we should all remember, take a look at this guy's history, and who, who can... Uh, compare to the things that he's done working as the secretary to Ben-Gurion, starting Demona, the Israel's nuclear program, helping build up Israel's defense forces, and devoting his life to, to the Jewish state. And he is the last of that generation, I think, yeah. uh, and deserves the respect uh, that is being accorded to him. Yeah, no question about it. All right, um, the United States and Israel... 
brought months of sensitive and difficult negotiations to a close on Wednesday with the signing of a 10-year, $38 billion defense deal hailed by both sides, the biggest of its kind in American history. Now, there are supposedly some conditions attached to this. You have been speaking to us leading up to this um, uh, agreement. What could you tell us about finally getting this thing signed? Well, there was a long debate about whether they would sign it now or sign it within the, wait till the next administration to see if they could get a better deal. It is reported that Netanyahu started once at $45 billion, It's $4.5 billion a year. Uh, they, in fact, got only a slight increase. It's a very important statement. There's no country that has a comparable deal. It's $38 billion, nonetheless, over 10 years. Right. Uh, but incorporated into that is $500 million dollars. Uh, that goes for Iron Dome and David Sling, et cetera, which was usually allocated by Congress in addition to right. the money in the last 10-year MOU, so that, which was uh, $3 billion a year, or $3.1 billion a year, and then you added the $500 million, so it brought it to 3.6. So the increase is $200 million a year, certainly significant, but when you take into account the increased costs of... of um, the items that Israel is buying, uh, it's been assessed that it's actually a decrease uh, from the past deal. Uh, the, the arguments have been made that is, they should have negotiated it during the Iran negotiations the, or, or earlier. Uh, you know, everybody can speculate now. No one can tell what the circumstances will be a year from now when the next administration is in place, what the economic pressures, the cutbacks in the overall defense budget. It's an important statement to the region of the U.S.-Israel relationship, of the solid nature of it and continuing commitment uh, to Israel. This way it doesn't have to be negotiated every year. It is, uh, removes uh, what was sometimes a source of tension with administrations and having Congress to debate. There are those who are putting forward an argument that uh, this is, uh, undermines the APAC or the lobbying efforts because it takes Congress out of the picture, yeah. as Lindsey Graham and others said, uh, and Congress should be in the allocations process. Well, for one, it's an executive order, so it may not be binding on the next president that they could make changes. There are understandings in this agreement that Israel would not go to Congress for additional amounts except in, in special circumstances with the agreement of the administration in power. So, it, you know, there are chances for flexibility in the future if uh, there should be a need. Uh, but there are critics. Uh, Barack, uh, former Prime Minister Barack, came out very critical of it. Um, Boogie Alon, the former Minister of Defense, came out uh, critical of it, saying that he could have gotten more or he was promised more in their discussions with the defense officials here so uh, I think we should not diminish what, what was achieved, but be realistic about it. Okay, so can, can one then, and especially if you say this speculation, can one then assume that there was a, a certain, that there was some conjecturing about what the next administration might be like? If they went ahead, and again, I mean, it sounds to me like a BB gamble here that you're describing in terms of getting this signed now, but could there just be a wariness of who who among the two candidates could be in the White House next, and maybe those of us who think that they'd be friendlier, nicer, or more accommodating to Israel than the current president, maybe that wouldn't be the case. It's the uncertainty about it. It's not 
because they're basing on any kind of prediction of either who will win or or that there would be a difference with who wins because they uh, it, it could well be that it would be in a better circumstance but the military needs years of advanced planning if they didn't reach a deal till the next administration is in a position to negotiate it it, it will be a long time this deal only begins in 2018 right. but for the military when you want to order let's say F35 stealth bombers you have to order them now in order to get them in four years from now mm-hmm. and therefore having the assurance that this money will be available knowing that they will have this set this this amount to work with uh, they can now start to make purchase and and uh, work out the the plans that have to be done uh, now there is another aspect which I know most people dismiss but it's really pretty significant it's in a, it has to do with the offshore procurements where Israel until now was allowed to spend 26% of the money on its own domestic industry buying equipment, technology, etc. That will be phased out, uh, especially from year 5 to year 10. So by year 10, it will be zero, that Israel will have to spend all of the money here in the United States. Uh, Even without it, they were creating tens of thousands of jobs with their purchases. Mm -hmm. Now that will increase. Uh, I'm sure that there were... Uh, there was lobbying by the domestic American arms industry who don't like the competition from Israel. Uh, but it's also an easier sell with Congress, with us, to see uh, that the money is spent here. But at least it gives it them the years, instead of an immediate cutoff, as had been initially demanded, it, it gives them time to adjust to this new arrangement. And you've been, um, for good reason, you've been emphasizing how important the congressional races are. Uh, even if they, even if Congress is slightly out of this process now that you just described, uh, nonetheless, our enthusiasm for getting to the polls and participating in those elections should not be diminished at all. Not only diminished, enhanced. Right. That uh, people understand that uh, that is where uh, we've always had support, and in the future may need it. By the way, any shock um, to you that Donald Trump has attracted 19% of the Jewish vote in the United States? Or is that basically, you know, where at this stage in elections and campaigns where the Republican candidates normally are anyway? Well, they were lately, I mean, higher than that. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see November's the poll that counts. And yeah. people don't necessarily tell the pollsters what they do at the polls. We know that from the case of Israel. Right. Um, uh, so I think, you know, we'll have to see what, what will happen the, uh, in November, not now. A lot of interesting developments this week in the national campaign, huh? You can't make this stuff up, Malcolm, you know what I mean? You can't make it up, it's, uh, <laughs> but it adds to the uncertainty and to, the, um, to this uh, sense, I think, in the American public, which, which is not necessarily healthy. I think it's good that people are vitally interested in the campaign. There are very strong views being expressed. Uh, some views that are of concern uh, in, in some of the public reactions, but um, it, it emphasizes the importance of everybody being registered and everybody voting and turning out, and again, not to overlook the important congressional races. That first debate is in all seriousness now, and I know you'd love to see 
you know, um, emphasis on foreign policy. I don't remember, you know, which debate is which in terms of what topics and areas they're going to be discussing. But that first debate is going to be must must watch must watch television for the entire country. I think it, as we get closer and closer, people are just more and more intrigued by this matchup. So I think it'll beat Monday Night Football. I think <laughs> it's going to be the most watched show, and. Um, I hope it, it it is not treated as a, as a humorous program, but uh, with the s- seriousness that I think uh, it should warrant. As we look at what, and especially in an era of of such flux and of such concern, when we look at the issues that we're confronting now, that we see the developments in Syria, we see the developments in Iran. Every day there are more and more challenges and issues that are going to not only affect the next president but many presidents that require. Uh, a serious approach and serious administration. You know, this week uh, the Iranians now threaten uh, our aircraft in the Persian Gulf area, telling them to stay out of it, just as they told the the head of the IRGC Navy, which is separate than the Iranian Navy, uh, but say they are in charge of the Straits of Hormuz and other words, other areas uh, on the borders of Iran. Uh, gave warning to the United States after their boats played, their uh, fast ships uh, played havoc with our destroyers and the other ships that are uh, we have in the carrier group, uh, aircraft carrier group. They're warning us to avoid uh, a confrontation that they should get out of the region. We should take our ships out. This is incredible, and it and, and it comes in part because of the failure to respond to. To the to provocations that are happening on an ongoing basis, we saw when they fired one ship uh, actually fired warning shots against uh, some of the Iranian uh, vessels, and and they got out of there. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have been doing this all along and in a much more serious way. And America has to give the message: we're not going to tolerate this. This is an in international waters, international airspace, and uh, you know maybe they think because the election people are distracted or nobody will do anything serious. Well. They got to understand that there's going to be very serious consequences. The region is looking at this in with incredulity that you know our, our ships could be um, could be harassed in this way, and the you know we see the tension rising between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, in fact, Iran is redirecting people during the Hajj, which began last Saturday, and you know so many people go to to. Uh, Saudi Arabia, but it's primarily Sunnis and the Shiites. They're directing to Karbala. I don't think they're letting Iranians go in back to to Saudi Arabia, um, and t- uh, claiming that the attacking the Saudis in in editorials you saw in the Sarif uh, in the in the New York Times, I think, and the you know talking about um, the the world of Wahhabism and how you have to get rid of it and uh, all sorts of uh, attacks against uh, each other. And this escalation, to me, is of concern. And, and any sense that the West and the United States will not be there and will not be taking the necessary steps to to assure the security of our allies and the and the, in the region and our accessibility yeah. to these vital areas. I thought of that when I saw the threat from Iran to Saudi Arabia. That Saudi Arabia is sitting there, not knowing if they could ever depend on the U.S. or not. Just have they have no idea at this point. Well, that's what they say. And right. and and this is. Uh, you know, of concern when Iran threatens to shoot down U.S. planes in the Persian Gulf, and then they don't see uh, the kind of response that they anticipate uh, or, or would always have expected. That the U.S. you know has to make it very clear, and we also have the same situation regarding the ceasefire in Syria, where all these secret documents and people don't have a sense that they really know 
what's happening. I saw uh, Commander Jeremy Vaughn, who wrote this as a visiting fellow at the Washington Institute, wrote a, a, a very interesting piece where, where, number one, he showed that um, that they harassed American ships, more than naval vessels, more than 30 times, which is almost uh, 50% more than the same period last year. And the, they come at a distance that could make it um, a collision likely or, or render U.S. defenses um, nearly uh, defenseless against uh, if it's uh, one of these boats are packed with explosives. And, uh, you know, this idea that, uh, well, the U.S. will have to absorb the first round, there's no such rules. We've got to send a message to a regime like Iran. And the more they get away with things, the more that they will exploit it. And, and we are seeing the, the, the elevated role in, um, in Syria. And there, ISIS, by the way, is being diminished. They're losing territory. Their recruitment is down from a high of 2,000, but lately about 1,000 a month, 500 to 1,000. They're down to less than 50 crossing the borders. But they're sending them back to carry out attacks at home. We'll get to Syria in a second. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us. A weekly update happening here on a JM in the AM Friday. Um, in addition to that, uh, regarding ISIS and its presence, or now smaller presence in Syria. Uh, Russia and the U.S. agreed uh, at the end of last week on a new plan to reduce violence in the Syrian conflict that, if successful, could lead for the first time to joint military targeting by the two powers against Islamic jihadists in Syria. So, first of all, it, it, now that it's a week later almost, is, is there really a ceasefire? Is there really some type of truce that's being held in Syria? In parts of Syria, there are accusations uh, and recriminations against both sides about uh, um, who's honoring it, who's not honoring uh, the deals. But the um, uh, the question is, is the deal a good deal? And we don't know what's in some of the secret uh, accords, what, what rights it allocates uh, the Russians. But we see that the Russians are still playing this, this a very vital role there, an important role in, in the in this, and I think their place has been enshrined by uh, the understandings that have been uh, been reached. But and there are a lot of questions that remain uh, unanswered. You know, Turkey is laying electric wires across the Syrian border to build a buffer zone. Uh, the Syrian Kurdish groups are moving ahead for towards a semi-autonomous uh, region. Um, the, uh, the U.S. Uh, has put a lot of pressure on the rebel groups not to make advances near Aleppo, but we see that others are, and that um, the, and that has aided the Syrian government's strategy of squeezing the rebels out of the suburbs. So some people say they're taking them out, they're not taking back. Uh, who has made advances uh, and who hasn't? So the, the agreement has, has only temporarily allowed the, the uh, resupply in some areas, but according to reports that uh, we've seen, uh, I'm sure everybody has seen in the press, there are more questions than answers. Uh, so uh, you'd prefer if the U.S. would not have entered an agreement like this with the, so with, with the Soviet Union, with Russia, or, we, like you said earlier, we just don't know enough about what's in it to make a determination like that? We don't know about the 
and we don't know how this will will play out. Does what happens with uh, Assad? Does he stay? Does he go? U.S. still insists that that he has to go. Does this deal does not provide for that? It doesn't really. It, it is. Um, it's a ceasefire agreement. It's not right. anything that carries with it the next stage of a of a political process. It's not in the agreement. Yeah. Um, the um, well, we we've emphasized over the last few weeks the age and the uh, complacency, one might say, of Mahmoud Abbas, eighty-one years old, head of the PA, and uh, the longer he takes to call for elections, because he's now, as you always point out, what in year thirteen of his four-year term, whatever it was, something like that. Eleven. Year 11. Uh, the longer he takes, the more of an opportunity for Hamas to move in and take over the leadership of the PA, or one is not necessarily tied to the other? Well, it is tied in terms of people's frustrations and the willingness to look at uh, other places, and especially as he uh, refuses to accommodate some of the pressures, let's say, regarding Dachlan. Uh, I'm not sure he's uh, such a better alternative, but uh, is seen by many as a viable um, successor. Yeah, he's the superstar now. Right. He has his own checkered past, very checkered, and um, was kicked out for corruption and other things, but uh, was backed and, and spent the years in Qatar, but, and is backed by some of the Gulf states. Uh, there are other candidates as well, uh, but as we had anticipated all along, the election is put off. Um, there was a lot of pressure, some say because they thought Hamas might win in major cities, others say because the competing uh, lists and that they couldn't, get their act together, and it was really internal Fatah fighting. Uh, so these municipal elections uh, are not going to take place. But there, there was no great excitement amongst the Palestinians because they didn't see any change. And now the stories are coming out about something we have talked about, the corruption, that the, his sons and he are worth some $300 million, and yeah. how they, you know, uh, uh, he, he only wants a leader that's going to enshrine the sons' uh, kleptocracy, uh, and their kleptocracy uh, overall. So Abbas is he's old, he's tired, and all the excuses. But he's also very shrewd, and he is is looking to protect his interests. Certainly not the interests of the Palestinian people. Following in the footsteps of his predecessors. Very much unbelievable. He, he yeah, stood by his side, Arafat's side, for forty years, and a lot rubbed off. Oh, that's true. I mean, I forgot about that. They had a real association. Uh, more than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, mentor. Yeah, uh, the one of our listeners pointed out that we had never mentioned. Let me just pull up the article for a second. Um, yeah, it goes back to just over uh, uh, two weeks ago. Federal appeals court in New York threw out a six hundred and fifty-five and a half million dollar verdict rendered last year that it held the PA and the PLO liable for their roles in supporting terror attacks in Israel that claimed American lives. You and I have discussed many times, a la the BDS legislature um, uh, uh, votes and things like that. Then many times this is more symbolic than practical, but we have seen, right, there have been cases where actual funds, am I correct, that actual funds have been sure. have been transferred, right? There have been some funds, but again, this decision uh, was based on procedural issues. It wasn't on the substance and the legitimacy of the claims and the guilt. It was based upon... Uh, right, whether it, belong, has, whether it belonged in federal district court of Manhattan. Jurisdi- right? Jurisdiction. Um, when you talk about symbolic moves, we saw it at the city council this week with right. the in New York, with uh, after a very heated uh, session last week, um, they they did have a vote and it was forty with four abstentions, uh, four against and six abstentions. And people should look where their city council member was on this issue because uh, some of them represent heavily Jewish areas. I'm just and so did not vote. 
support. Uh, again, overwhelmingly, it was supported. Right. But the the ten who did not uh, should be held to account for their votes and to 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 explain their votes. And those who who say, well, therefore, civil, you know, and yeah. nonviolent civil uh, uh, disobedience is right. legitimate. That's not what this is about. This is about the destruction of the state of Israel. It's nothing to do with uh, nonviolent, because on many campuses it is violent, their reaction. And the BDS people, even in the city council chamber, became violent right. and had to be ejected twice right. by, the, by the police. And, 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 some, so it's, and some it's not legislation, and it doesn't carry you know, real-world weight, but it is symbolic, and the speaker supported it and others. And uh, this is, again, a case where people have to get off their duffs and find out where their councilman was on this, and then uh, the council member and, and challenge them. And some council members actually cited the, uh, it being a free speech issue. I'm sure you can make the case that this is not a free speech issue as well. Free speech is not free speech, Correct. and this is not about free speech. This is a, a statement about, and again, a non-binding resolution, not legislation, that uh, it doesn't say that you don't have a right to criticize Israel. It talks about not about a boycott of Israel, not supporting that. Right. And doing so in a very active manner. And now for Malcolm Holmline's two favorite words, United Nations. It all begins tomorrow. People start arriving from around the world. Uh, you, are, you have always, uh, this time of year, told us what you anticipate in terms of the U.N. gathering and from the General Assembly, etc., uh, this time around. Uh, will this be one of those exciting sessions, uh, lots to watch or not? Uh, well, the circus has begun already with the arrival of some, and I warn everybody about the traffic next week in Manhattan. As bad as it is now, every day there, it's going to be even worse. Right. And uh, we'll have to see how many heads of state actually show up. We have many meetings with uh, foreign leaders who are coming, foreign ministers and presidents. Uh, uh, over the week, Bibi uh, Netanyahu will arrive in on uh, Wednesday and speak Thursday. And um, we'll stay then over Shabbos here in New York. You don't know what time he speaks Thursday at, do you? It's going to be about midday sometime. Okay. Uh, so I don't believe that you're going to have the resolution, the Security Council resolution against Israel, some of the things that people had speculated. I do think the French will try to have a ministerial level meeting or uh, some working group. I think the P5 plus one. We'll meet with Rouhani, the permanent five members in one who negotiated the deal. We'll meet with Rouhani, who is coming here. Uh, I think there will be things of interest that we should watch. You have to watch the, the mood there. We also have the, the election of the Secretary General, which will not take place now, but will take place in October. Uh, but there's still a lot of... Oh, and uh, I think it was the New York Times that reported that the, it, it, it now looks like the next Secretary General will not be a woman, right? That all the women have now been eliminated from the process? No, 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 that, not, not so. That's not true? No, no. The, the original thing was mandating that it be a woman and an East European. Right now, the, the, the top two runners were not the third. I think the first woman was in third or fourth place. And she seems to be being eliminated, but maybe replaced by somebody else who could be a compromised candidate. Mm. So the women have been eliminated. It's, it, but it's a shifting thing because it, it, it doesn't work the way people think. Just because somebody has 11 votes out of the 15 or 12 or 13, if there's somebody who objects, if it's one of the permanent five, that knocks it out. Mm. So it's a question of who is the opposition to a particular candidate and what will happen in the final vote. So this is the, the process is only to try to eliminate, to get people to drop out when they're very low in, in getting uh, votes. And by the way, on the terms of legislation, Dan Coates this week introduced legislation, Senator Coates, um, something he said he worked for 
18 years on that Congress has worked on about the, the money that is being paid to terrorists by the PA and to knock out aid to the PA until they stop this practice of, of subsidizing and encouraging, and in fact, paying for terrorism against the Israelis, uh, Jews and non-Jews who have been killed in Israel, where they get um, huge sums of money. Uh, this year, I think it takes about $300 million out of the budget altogether, both payments for those who are in jail and payments to those who are not. And, and uh, if somebody gets killed, the families get the money. Uh, it's really an outrageous practice. It's been tolerated for much too long, and people have really taken it on. Senator Gerber, others who have uh, really uh, pushed this issue, and Senator Coates and other legislators are, are uh, very hot on this right now. And again, it's something that we should encourage. It, it, it's just simply such an outrage that taxpayers' dollars, we gave them about $5 billion since 98, that from that money was money being paid, including killing Americans like you know, Taylor Force recently, uh, yeah. but many others yeah. uh, through the the attacks that that uh, you know are encouraged and and honored and celebrated by the Palestinian Authority. By the way, we should mention as UN Week will begin that the Golden family are they're going to be at the United Nations this week. Yes, uh, they will, will be there. By the way, there's going to be an interesting event also, and and this is an important reminder they're being there to remind people about Hadar Golden and. Uh, the other uh, MIA who is not have not been returned, whose bodies have not been returned. Uh, there's also going to be a, a, an exhibition right after Netanyahu's speech uh, of uh, on Israeli technology in Africa, huh. and, uh, and and Netanyahu will meet with the African ambassadors. Uh, I understand, and it will be a, a sort of uh, celebration of of Israeli technology that is particularly applicable in in Africa, and they had many more companies and people wanted to display and, and had appropriate stuff to, to put out than uh, they could accommodate. Um, there will still be some African countries who will remain hostile to Israel, correct? Or are they winning them over? Well, we're, it, it is, uh, it's a positive direction, but it doesn't move that quickly. Uh, they, will still, they seem to vote automatically. Uh, I don't know, their hand just goes up in response to any resolution uh, against Israel, but there is a change. There's no doubt that Israel is being received by more and more countries, and more of them want to have access to Israel. I know I, I hear from them, and they ask me to help them get into to Israel. So hopefully over time we will see that translated into a different voting patterns uh, there as well. What did B.B. tell you about his trip there? He was very enthusiastic about it? He was very enthusiastic about the way he was received. There were many more countries. Do you know he had contact? I think with eight countries, the leaders of eight countries, um, and many more wanted to be in. And there are uh, efforts to reach out to, to countries that don't have diplomatic relations uh, right now with Israel, but want to begin to develop the ties. And it's a process, you know, after many years of estrangement. Right. But they all say Israel has everything we need, whether it's the water. Um, uh, fighting desalination, post-harvest reclamation, all of these things that Israel has developed are just exactly what Africa needs. <laughs> and all the promises they had about the pot of gold at the end of the oily rainbow they saw came to nothing. And their big fear today is Iran, because Iran is, is undermining the regimes and they're infiltrating. It used to be China that, that they used to raise. Now they talk about Iran. Are you viewing with any skepticism China's uh, new attempt to negotiate and trade with uh, countries in the Middle East that they haven't in the past? 
well, certainly trading a lot more with Israel and, and buying companies and getting technology and their delegations every week, and they are adding tens of thousands of seats on their flights next year for to China, from China to Israel. Um, so, uh, but China is driven by first a desire for energy. They're hungry for energy. They want to buy as many sources of energy. They're looking to expand their economy. They're investing in Iran. They're, they're not Sadiqim in any respect. They're just pursuing their own interests. Uh, you know, they don't get involved in, in many of the international situations. Uh, they are very focused, obviously, on, on the China Sea, and there's been provocative actions taken there, too, vis-a-vis the U.S., and, um, you know, we'll have to see what, what uh, develops there. But China pursues its interests. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, you heard about this uh, Roman gold coin that was found near Hartzion in an archaeological dig? I did not hear about the Roman gold coin, but I did hear... And again, it just is, it should be flipping people out. You know, they found a 1,500-year-old synagogue in the Lower Galilee, and it, they found a, a um, mosaic on the floor mm. that seems to depict a visit of Alexander the Great. Oh, my gosh. And it's very detailed. You ha- people have to go and look at this. It's amazing. And, of course, last week we touched on the... This incredible archaeological discussion, discoveries at the and the, the, the tenacity that they demonstrated in putting together the tiles that were destroyed, but were in the courtyard of the second base on Mikdash. They have now resurrected with very intricate geometric designs. How people don't flip out about this that they can go to Israel now and you can see the actual thing because the Palestinians tried to destroy it we were able to get access to stuff that we haven't seen before, ever, and uh, well, certainly in the last 2,000 years. And it, it, it's really remarkable. And I hope that people, especially as we come up to Rosh Hashanah, I hope many people will join us at Woodcliff Lake this year for Rosh Hashanah, and we'll be discussing this. Where? Wood, Woodcliff Lake, New Jersey? Woodcliff Lake, New Jersey, wow. with Rabbi Fuchs and the, oh, boy. his amazing crew. So... Uh, I hope uh, people, it's a great, uh, Yantavi does a great job, and, and uh, I hope people and rabbis will talk about this. I mean, you want to inspire people. What can do it more? You can actually look and hold it and see it, and, and, and it does, the designs reflect what was described in the mission and other places about uh, what it looked like and how beautiful it was. And they, were, they took, you know, these things were all broken up, were smashed up, and they were able to take these pieces and you have to think about how much work it took to then put them together and in the right designs in order to, in order to come up with these two squares or more. I don't know how many uh, ultimately they will have. But to me, it just... The uh, whole thing is remarkable. It's unbelievable. All right, we'll reconvene next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update Fridays here at JM. In the AM. By the way, our good friend Lenny Solomon has announced some breaking news. He'll perform tomorrow night an evening of Jewish music. Classic Jewish songs, not schlockrock. Classic Jewish songs of the 70s and 80s. Tomorrow night at the Flatbush Minion, 1517 Avenue H off East 16th Street in Brooklyn. Come relive the great songs from back in the day, as he says. For information, 917-669-9078. 7-8. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden.
spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kiseitze. Parshas Kiseitze has the distinction of containing the most mitzvos in a single parsha. There are no less than 74 mitzvos in this parsha. 27 positives and 47 restrictions. Among the mitzvos found in this parsha are A. The mitzvah of kvura, the mitzvah of burial, that a Jew is to be buried in the ground. And I think this is very important because today, when unfortunately so many people are fooled and they are led to believe that above ground burial is a valid halachic alternative, that is incorrect. And therefore, they should please try to make sure that there will be a proper kosher burial after their passing. And you have the in this parsha the mitzvah of both marriage, getting married a first time, and if unfortunately circumstances warrant it a second time, as well as the mitzvah of get, of gerish and divorce, meaning that if a split is to occur within a marriage, it is to be done in accordance with Jewish law, which is through a writ, a document of divorce, which is done exclusively for that couple. You have the mitzvah of shatnez, the mitzvah of not to wear wool and linen together. We adults, our children as well, the clothing should be checked for shatnes. Before I get to any of the individual mitzvos of Parshas Kiseitze, I'd like to begin with the mitzvah of the Yohavta L'Reacha Kamocha, which means literally, love your neighbor as yourself, which is found in Parshas Kedoshim. Why am I starting with that one? Because we all intuitively understand that this is one of the most difficult mitzvahs to be taken literally. In fact, it tells us a famous story in the Gemara Shabbos 31a that when a prospective convert came to first Shammai and said, convert me while I stand on one foot, Shammai took the statement to be most arrogant and chased the man away. Hillel doesn't blink. While he was standing on one foot, Hillel said to him, That which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. Now note, Hillel does not say this statement in the positive. But rather, what you wouldn't want done to you, don't do to your friend. Because that's a little bit easier to digest. In fact, the Ramban understands this mitzvah to mean that when you are in a situation with others, 
show your empathy and support for them. You're at a wedding, you're there because you have to be there, it's your wife's cousin, you don't really know, the chassan, etc. But you're there. So rather than sit at a table with a safer, you're going to go dance. Why? Because at your wedding, you would want people to dance with you. Another person in the circle is in more joy for the chassan. Similarly, someone is unfortunately sitting shiva in the community. That's what you're going to do. You're going to visit even though they're not your closest of friends because you are going to show this concept of loving your neighbor as yourself, meaning when they are in a certain situation, you will be there to, quote, compliment them in whatever that situation. Having said that, the halacha, I'd like to first begin with you, is the mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda. Among the many mitzvahs in this parasha, the Torah speaks and gives us three psukim at the beginning of chapter 22 of the mitzvah to return a lost object. And interestingly, the Torah, the way it expresses itself, says the following. You're not to see, and I quote it in the English just to save time, you're not to see the ox of your brother, or his sheep, or goat, cast off, and mehem, and you're going to hide yourself from them. Or to use the Yiddish, you're going to mach nishvisendik, you're going to make as if you didn't see it. The Torah says, You are to surely return it to your brother. Now this brother is not literally your brother. It means one Jew to another. And the double language, Hoshev Teshivim, is not only understood as an affirmative statement that you are surely to do this, alright, but it also means you're to do it and do it again. That just in case you returned it once and it gets lost a second time, so come on, how much do I have to do even a second and a third time you want to do this on behalf of your brother? I really believe that the al in his commentary on this mitzvah sheds new light on this mitzvah by saying the Torah didn't only present as an ideal to love your neighbor as yourself but the Torah is giving us the wherewithal that we should come to accomplish this how am I going to come to accomplish this by putting me in a situation where I'm going out of my way I am going out of my way for the next one. Now listen carefully. Take whether it's his animal, whether it is uh, his ox, his uh, sheep. Listen carefully. You've got to take it into your house. Okay? What does that mean into the barn? You've got to wash it and you've got to feed it. Okay? So now, what's going to be happening over here in this kind of a situation? You are literally putting yourself out for the next one, which is such an important you know, factor that it is willy-nilly creating in you that drive to be there for the next one. The mitzvah is transforming your character. Your nature, by definition, would be M-Y-O-B. 
mind your own business. Your nature is, I have my own things to take care of. I'm not going to get involved in somebody who I don't even know who it belongs to. But rather the Torah says, no, you are to get involved and very possibly, Hoshev, do it the first time because the Torah tells you to do it. And then after that, your nature is going to be Tishivain, that you are going to be, please God, doing it on your own. The Talmud gives us so many different examples of the righteous, how they were so careful with this mitzvah. In the Gemara Tanis 25a, we're talking about a gentleman who happened to uh, pass by the home of Rav Hanina ben Dosa, and he inadvertently left some chickens there. Okay? The wife of Reb Hanina ben Dosa found them, and Reb Hanina said to her, don't eat the eggs, because after all, it belongs to the owner of the chickens. So eventually, these chickens produced many eggs and more chickens, and it became a nuisance to them. So what did they do? They sold the eggs and chickens, and they purchased literally goats with them and at a later time the man came back and happened to say by the way did anybody find here once upon a time some chickens and sure enough when he gave the proper sign of identification that they were his chickens Rebbe Hanina Bendosa said here you are these are the goats you know that came from your chickens it shows just one thing what you've got to do in terms of the um, going out of your way for the next one. I believe this is such a powerful idea that this mitzvah in of itself is one that has this phenomena of being able to transform the character of man. Let's take another one. Towards the end of the parasha in Chamishi, the Torah says... Well, no, no, let's go further. We'll come back to Hamishi in a while. But let's go to in Shvi, in chapter 24, Pasuk 19. When you cut your harvest in your field, and you forget a bundle in the field. What's the story? You come home with your worker, and you know that you had ten bundles or sheaves in the field. You count them off your wagon, and there are only nine. You left one in the field. Instinctively, what are you going to say to your worker? Either you're going to give him an argument for not being careful enough and putting all ten, or you're going to say, go back and get my bundle. And what does the Torah say? No, no, no. Lo so shuv l'kachto. You are not to go back to take it. Your nature is to go back. And the Torah says, no, you're not going to go back, but rather, la ger, la yosom, v'la'amono yiyeh. Leave it for the stranger, right? The one who doesn't have land, the, the, uh, the, the one who has converted and become part of our people. Give it to the orphan, give it to the letter for the widow, but you are not to take it. Now, the Torah does, yes, promise that God will bless you for your uh, 
reworking your character with B'chol Maseh in all your work. However, the idea is that this mitzvah as well is transformative in nature. Your nature is to, come on, uh, go back. And now let's take a third one. The Torah says the following. Very, very interesting. Kisavo b'kerem reyecha. When you go, this is at the beginning of Hamishi, when you go into literally the vineyard of your uh, uh, neighbor, friend, and here the rabbis understand this to mean that we are talking about the worker, that a worker who is uh, working in the vineyard, so the Torah says that you must allow the worker to eat on the job. He's working with the grapes. You, the worker, may eat grapes as is your desire. However, the Torah concludes the verse, But you're not to put the grapes into your vessel and take them home. Some for my wife, and some for my children, and some for my mother-in-law. No. The answer is, you on the job, yes, you cannot take any home. Now let's think for a second. Why would you think that you can take it home? And this is what the Chinuch asks in Mitzvah 577, which is just this point, that he's not allowed to take anything home. And he asks very simply, why would there be a necessity for this? Would it not be Gezel? Would it not be stealing? So he answers that the nature of man is that the person can easily rationalize to himself while he's working in the field that at such a time, come on, people aren't so you know, careful about it. They don't mind so much. It's not like you're taking something from their house. Stealing is something, but in the field, it's okay. I can take... So the Torah is telling us no. And listen to how he couches this. He says it was from the kindness of God that God adds another warning to us in order that we should, once again, my words, but his idea, he says, Lezako says Israel, give Israel merit. And I say to transform the nature of man might very well be to be moreheta, to rationalize and say that it must be okay in this kind of a situation, and therefore the Torah is telling us, no, this is not the case. So really, if you think about it, what the Torah is basically saying is that people who work on the job, it's very nice that you're using the computer for the boss, but do I use all my time at the computer for the boss, or do I go and look on what's on sale and where can I order, and how much am I using it for myself as well? Not necessarily, and most often not necess- with his, you know, permission. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, the WhatsApping on the job, all these kinds of quote-unquote distractions using the copy machine, not for work that is needed for the work, but for my own personal use that I'm going to be taking home. 
uh, notes of my child, etc. If you ask the boss and he gives you permission, wonderful. But if not, I really think that this verse, that even though many of us don't work in the vineyard, this really is hitting home. The Torah is transforming the nature of man. And this is such a powerful idea. We close with the thought of Rabdesla, who writes that you come to love somebody by giving for that person. And here what's happening is that by you going out of your way and giving and partaking and being involved in their lost ab- object, this is how we truly come and develop within ourselves the Ahavta, the Reacha, Kamocha. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. are Elul Shofar blowing here on a uh, Friday morning broadcast. It is Arab Shabbos, Parshas, Kitetse. I thank you all for tuning in and being part of our incredible J.M. and the A.M. program. A reminder that uh, Naomi Nachman is coming up next with Table for Two, an amazing show on our stream at jmtheam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. And you can go ahead and comment on the NSN app at any time as so many people continue to do, and we very much appreciate it. Let me uh, just give you the details about what Naomi's going to be doing today between 9 and 10 o'clock, and I remind you that you could see, you could actually see uh, everything on our uh, homepage, nachomsegel.com. She'll feature uh, Chef Lavana Kirschenbaum, uh, Yassi Horowitz from Yassi's Corkboard, and Dan Weiss from the 613 Restaurant in Stamford, Connecticut. All guests of Naomi Nachman coming up between 9 and 10 o'clock. Again, Lavana Kirschenbaum, the legend herself, Yassi Horowitz from Yassi's Corkboard, and Dan Weiss from the 613 Restaurant in Stamford, Connecticut, followed by the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the incredible people at Kedem, all the way until candle lighting time. There is no reason, as so many, many more people have been discovering, there is no reason not to leave the app or the stream on all day on a Friday uh, to enhance your Erev Shabbos and to get you ready for Shabbos. So do that, and you will be glad you did. And we go all the way until candlelighting time with all the great Erev Shabbos selections. Keep that in mind and enjoy. I want to remind you, the Young Israel Lawrence Cedarhurst presents a third annual Welcome Back Carnival this coming Sunday at Hafter Field at 389 Central Avenue in Lawrence. Information, you can call, contact uh, Alyssa at the Morales at gmail.com. So welcome back, Carnival, happening from their youth department this coming Sunday. Uh, Rabbi Kanelski, or I, Mordechai Kanelski, Executive Director of Bris Avram, is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Kanelski, welcome back to JM in the AM. How are you? Baruch Hashem, a pleasure to speak with you. How are things going? Baruch Hashem. You realize, Rabbi Kanelski, it's just two weeks from Rosh Hashanah. You realize that, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, they used to say, Lebavich, that when it comes to Chedesh Elul, even the fish in the water are, 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 are in fear. Yeah. Because Chedesh Elul is Chedesh Elul. Yeah. But with that, we have to know that if this Hashem B'Simcho is the most greatest mitzvah. No question. The Rambam writes that the Dinya from Tshuva, that a person could do Tshuva, is a gift of God. And therefore, we have to do Tshuva B'Simcho also. Because the Rebbeinu Shuvayim doesn't want to punish us, Chas He just wants Shuvah Elai, Shuvah Eleichem. 
we should return to him, and he will return to us. And he will doidi, we doidi li. Then through that, we do everything with simcha. Kalav Yisrael will get a year of ksil vachsim ateva and ashon ateva mesuka. Amen. Uh, unusual, I believe, that the bris avram dinner is this close to the brand new year. Usually it's at a different time of year, but you have designated Sunday, September the 25th, which is one week from this coming Sunday, for the Bris of Rum 37th annual dinner. Literally, well, almost literally, Erev Yontif, you're making a big dinner, Rabbi Kanelsky. We did it for, if you remember, uh, two years ago, you had the privilege to introduce the chief rabbi of Eretz Yisroel, Harav Wow. It was also on the first day of Slichas. The idea of making this this year so close, because this year is a special year, and we try to do one more gathering as Shnas Hakhel, mm. as a year of gatherings. Then we decided to do our dinner also on the first day of Slichas. Literally, as you said before, the last Sunday that is possible to do before Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is the following Sunday night. Correct. And to that, we'll have an opportunity to get together hundreds of people that will come to celebrate and through that we'll hear the shafer by the wedding and at the same token we'll have simcha because we will have the privilege to dance with nine hasanim and kawas brand new nine hasanim, hasanim and kawas that did not have the privilege to make a chuppah in russia and now here under the celebration of religious freedom it will be our 31st annual gala celebration that we're making again for the 34th time, a gala wedding for people that did not have the privilege. Unbelievable. All right, Bris Avram's 37th annual dinner with guests of honor, Drs. Ilya and Paulina Lipkin, uh, Bella Wolfman, community service awardees, uh, go to New Jersey Transit with Thomas Clark and John C. Leon uh, representing the organization. The keynote speaker is the Lieutenant Governor and Secretary of the State for New Jersey. It's Kim Guadagno. I hope that's pronounced properly. Uh, she'll be speaking as the guest speaker that night. You have, again, at a beautiful list of honorees, wonderful people that you're going to be recognizing that night. Lipa is going to be entertaining everybody. Who better to have at a wedding than Lipa? And in this case, he gets to sing at nine weddings at once. How do you like that? It's it's unique, you know. When you have the... The, the world says, Mechanisch Townsend of Zwei Hassanes. You cannot dance on two weddings. <laughs> but here, you could literally come and you... You saw it by yourself so many times when you and your wife had the privilege to be escorts and you came so many times to our dinner. Then you saw how the simcha is so great, especially after the nine times you hear one after another, each one is breaking the cup. The joy is just spontaneously so unique and so special. That is the greatest simcha that just possible be. No question about it. And the uh, the dinner lineup, as I said, is uh, quite impressive, to say the least. You always have such incredible supporters that you're able to recognize. And why New Jersey Transit? Why all these people who are representing both the New Jersey Transit Organization and obviously the state of New Jersey in terms of the guest speaker? Uh, the, let's start, start with, the, with the New Jersey Transit. Uh, we were introduced, to, uh, as you saw in the previous years, we honored different individuals from the Port Authority. Right. That they gave us the permission to put menorahs throughout the state of New Jersey. And Baruch Hashem, millions of people had the privilege to, to benefit of the lights of Hanukkah. Right. 
uh, two years or three years ago, we started with New Jersey Transit, and we had the permission to put in 10 places menorahs. Mm-hmm. This year, we are going to put in 18 places menorahs, <laughs> different stations that is under the supervision of New Jersey Transit. Wow. And these two people gave us the, the help and the ability that we should be able to place menorahs. And it's just unbelievable from different stations that we hear phone calls. People call us and say, you really put a smile on my children's face. My children saw for the first time a menorah in such a public place, like in Sikoko Station, or the Wattenberg Station. It was just unbelievable how many people passing by there. And in the middle of the station stands a nine-foot menorah that every single person who passes by by that station could see it. And these two people, is a chorus of to these two people that they were helping us to put them in orders. And, and as we always eaten, we make sure that there is a chorus of in the proper way. Amazing. New Jersey Transit is responsible for a uh, for an even brighter Hanukkah. How do you like that, huh? 100%. Last year we put 114 menorahs. Wow. This will be even more. Unbelievable. All right, so... Uh, and Jersey... the lieutenant governor, right. she is... Uh, as first of all, she has her position, and she is in and specialty that this is an organization that has so many branches in the state of New Jersey, and we invited her to come, and she accepted our, our invitation, and she is very, she came to our house personally to speak to different board members, and she really feels that this is a special organization that is doing so much for the, for the, for the community in the state of New Jersey. Unbelievable. All right, so you have a great lineup, wonderful honorees, and now we need people to make sure to be there on the 25th of September. It's a week from Sunday night. Uh, information at 908-289-0770. The dinner takes place at the Sheraton Parsippany in Parsippany, New Jersey. The cocktails begin at 4, the actual dinner at 5.30 with the chuppah ceremonies, of course, in between. Lipa is going to be entertaining everybody. It's going to be quite an event, as it always is. It is the 37th time, believe it or not, that Brits of Rum gives us an opportunity to get together and support their incredible work. 908-289-0770. And I want to say special for Bella Wolfman, who is the Woman of Our Award. She's working with Brisa Vrohm for 30 years. Wow. And everybody who calls Brisa Vrohm picks a hairs how she's picking up the phone, and she's so much dedicated to do everything in the organization, and it's our Hakoras Atov to her. As well as the guest of honors, this is people who came from the former Soviet Union, and Borah Hashem settled here in America, and now they're paying back, and they feel that here is an opportunity for them Whatever Brice Avraham did for their and their families, now they're paying back with supporting our organization. Pretty incredible. Uh, Rabbi Kanelsky, Greatest Yasher Koyach to you, and I want to mention the most important person behind the scene, and not behind the scene, but my partner to wife, Sterni, Harabanit Sterni, as you always call her. That's right, Rabbanit Sterni. Yes. And to you, Rabbanit, and together we should be able to do many good things. And the most important, a year of Moshiach, Amen. and to one more mitzvah that we will do to come to celebrate with the Hassanim and Kawas of Bizeche to greet Moshiach immediately. Thank yeah. you again. Yes, yeah. and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. There he is, right? Mordechai Kanelski. Information about the dinner, 908 289 It's a week. From Sunday night, 8.47, 13 minutes before 9 o'clock. Plenty more coming up on a JM in the AM Friday morning broadcast. Um, a reminder, 
incredible weekend programming. Not only do we have great programming right after Jam and the AM, but on the weekend, uh, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night to kick off a great night of programming, including headlines by David Lichtenstein and more. And then Sunday morning, Matis continues a stretch, an incredible run of live JM Sundays that is to be envied. Uh, he'll be on starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Matis Weingast, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is coming Sunday. Make sure to join him right here at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSNF.
Ben-Sion Schenker, the great Ben-Sion Schenker. Candlelighting time at 6.43, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Kitetze. Sunny with a high temperature of 74. Looks like a nice Shabbos weather-wise in this area. Baruch Hashem. Uh, tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull right after Shabbos. And the Sunday morning, Matzah says JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Naomi Nachman with that incredible lineup we mentioned coming up next at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. You can watch all of it on the uh, homepage video of NachumSiegel.com. All of her special guests, a lot of great material. And another wonderful show, it's called Table for Two. Right after that, Kedem presents our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. No reason to listen to anything today other than the NSN app and our incredible stream. And we thank the folks at Kedem. Um, time to take a Shabbos. It's Journeys at JMN. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Thank you. 
special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Naomi Nachman next with a uh, brand new edition of Table for Two. A lot of great guests coming up. You can watch the whole thing at NahumSiegel.com on the home page, video screen. Um, plenty after that with Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix. Tomorrow night we've got Saturday Night Siegel and a great lineup uh, starting with Avrami. And then, of course, Matis with JM Sunday that will begin 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. Make sure to tune in. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>